Great. Good stuff. Hey, good morning. Good morning, everybody. Hey, my name is Matt. Uh, I'm part of the, the, the teaching team here at Grace City Church, and I also help lead a, a life group, uh, one of the midweek groups that gathers in various places across the city. Um, if you're wondering uh, where we're going to be this morning, we're going to be in the Book of Mark. We've been in the Book of Mark for a little while now. Uh, and if you're wondering how we open up the Bible in this church, what we tend to do is we tend to pick a book of the Bible, like Mark, and we start at the very beginning, and then we just work our way through to the very end. And, and the really good reason for doing that is because we just don't miss anything that way. We don't just, we're not just picking the bits and pieces of, you know, who Jesus is that we like and ignoring the things that might bother us or might shock us or might even offend us. Some of you are wondering why I'm starting off by saying this this morning. Um, well, this morning Jesus says a few things that might actually strike us as a little bit blunt and a bit, a little, might, might bother us. I don't know. Let's find out, I guess. Let's read. If you've got a Bible, we're in Mark chapter 4. And if you don't have a Bible, that's okay. It's going to appear on the screen directly behind me. So let's read Mark chapter 4. Again, he, and that's Jesus, began to teach beside the sea. And a very large crowd gathered around him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables, and in his teaching he said to them, Listen, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground, where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see but not perceive, and may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones on, sown on rocky ground. The ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then, when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. So this is the first parable, the first really meaty, chunky parable that we come to from Jesus. You know, these parables are a form of Jesus' teaching that comes in sort of story form, in illustrations where different elements of the story mean different things. 
And if I had asked you this morning, uh, why, why do you think that uh, Jesus tells parables so often, and he certainly tells them often, you may have said before we read this, well, you know, stories are really helpful. Stories are a really good way to engage, and Jesus is a really good public speaker, and any public speaker worth their salt tells stories to engage people, and that's why Jesus does it here. But Jesus here, he gives a different primary reason. I mean, that's absolutely true, but... Jesus gives a very different reason here. What is it he says? He says he tells parables so that people may indeed see but not perceive, may indeed hear but not understand. Even he says, lest they should turn and be forgiven. What is Jesus saying? Why is Jesus saying, I want want to give people truth, but I want to veil it. I want to hide it away. I I want to make the truth, Jesus is saying, harder to access. Why is Jesus doing that? Why would Jesus want to make his message less clear? Why doesn't Jesus just walk around and proclaim things really carefully? Just say, I'm the king, here's a miracle, obey me, worship me. That's a good sermon for Jesus. Three point sermon. I'm the king, two, boom, miracle, three, obey and worship me, I'm God. Why Why doesn't Jesus do that? That sounds like a good, but that, that's not, Jesus says, how Jesus' kingdom comes. Because we expect God's kingdom to come like earthly kingdoms do. Tim Keller, who's the speaker and writer, he has this amazing illustration for this. He says, we expect God's kingdom to come like the great conquerors, you know, like Alexander the Conqueror or Genghis Khan, you know? Let's say you're in a, a town or a village and then Alexander the Conqueror turns up at your town. After he turns up, there are two people, two kinds of people left in your town. There are people who are now part of Alexander the Great's empire. They're part of his kingdom now. And there are dead people. Those are the two people that are left after... Why? Because the earthly kingdoms come by force. They come by coercion. They come by violence even. And you know what? Democratic systems, interestingly, are very, very similar. Right? Let's say that you vote for one party, but the other political party gets more votes. Who rules in the kingdom? It's the other party. But, but I didn't vote. Tough luck. Tough luck. That's, that's how the, 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 the kingdom is established by force. And someone says, tough luck at the end. And we expect God's kingdom, honestly, to turn up the very same way. I remember when I was, I was very small. I was eight years old, nine years old. And I was in school in England. And I remember being out in the playground and listening to my friends discuss uh, whether God was real or not. And my childhood best friend, Joe Osborne, said this. He said, I will prove right now that God does not exist. Oh, Joe Osborne's going to prove right now that God does not exist. And, and so Joe Osborne, he jumps up. He, he jumps up on a, on a park bench, on the, on the bench in the playground, and says, if God is real, then he shall strike me with lightning right now. And he strikes this dramatic pose, and he waits a few dramatic seconds, and nothing happens. And Joe Osborne slowly steps down, as if to say, God is dead. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, on that playground, aged eight years old, I watched hundreds, thousands of years of ontological inquiry and debate be conclusively settled by an eight-year-old. But even as a child, I remember watching my friend, Joe Osborne, go, hang on, Joe Osborne, the only God that you are disproving here is a God who has to do that, who has to establish his kingdom 
by force and by violence and just zap. You've got to, you've got to obey me now. And we might think the same thing, you know, if Jesus really wants to build his church, why doesn't Jesus just turn up down, down on Parliament Hill, maybe with some angels, a couple of thousand should do it, and just say, I am the king, I am real, worship me, obey me, you have to. But the problem with coercive, violent kingdoms that are established by force is they only produce slaves. God is not after slaves, God is after sons. God is not after slaves, he's after sons, he's after daughters. He wants a people, but more than a people, he wants a family that actually want to know him. That actually love him out of their own choice. And this is why Jesus veils his teaching in parables, so that the people who do understand, who do go the extra mile and and dig and find out who this Jesus is, those people who, who discover the truth will be those who really want it. Jesus says the kingdom comes by hearing, therefore be careful how you hear. Kingdom comes by hearing, be careful how you hear. What then is the seed? Because the, the, the kingdom of God does not come by a rampaging army, the kingdom of God comes by a seed. What is this word? What is the seed that needs hearing? What is the word that the sower is sowing? In short, the word is this. God has not left humanity in its darkness. God hasn't left... I mean, this world is full of darkness. There's so much cruelty and injustice and hatred and conflict and and rebellion against God. And we we can kind of tie all that up in a single word, sin. There's so much sin in this world. But God, the good news is that God does not step back away from that, but instead God steps into that. God sent his one and only son, Jesus, into this world of sin. And Jesus, rather than engaging in the sin, lives a perfect life. And then he dies on a cross. He dies a sinner's death on the cross, which is terribly unjust. The perfect one shouldn't die on a cross, but he dies the, the death that you and I deserve so that we may be forgiven of our sin. That three days later, Jesus rises from the grave so that we may, so that anybody who walks in through the, through the doors of Grace City may hear this, this word and go, you know what, I want that. I want that message. I want this forgiveness and receive the truth. That is the word that Jesus is talking about here. It's a word that requires a response. Jesus here, he outlines four different responses. That's what the different soils represent in this story. Four different sorts of people who hear this message and respond in four different ways. And as we just work our way through the different responses, I want this, this is the question I want you to answer for yourself. It's this. What soil am I? Not what soil is the person sat next to me. What soil are you? Because I, I think these four soils, they describe everybody. So the first one, let's look at that, the first response to the gospel. Let's read it again. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. And then later, Jesus explains this. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. Right. So the soil here is the path. There's, there's a hardness to it. Jesus is talking here about a, a hard heart. It's as if the, the birds are just able to come and take that seed away. Why? Because the, the seed isn't held on to. The seed isn't treasured. It isn't guarded. It isn't protected. It's just, well, I just guess I just heard something there. That's the approach. You know, the, the, the hard heart says, I, I don't even want to believe this message. 
There's something about a hard heart that says, no, I, I don't want this. I don't need this. I don't need a, a, a saviour. And you know what? Even if it is true, I'm, you know what? I'm going to go and find reasons to believe that it, it to not be true. I'm going to go and f- I'm going to look online. I'm going to go on Google and find other people's reasons and apply their... Oh, yes, that's why. Phew. Don't have to believe in that. And it's very interesting here, isn't it, that Jesus ascribes what is going on in the hard heart to the devil, to Satan. I don't know how many of us would have expected that. Jesus says, oh, it's, it's Satan. There's something about someone saying, I don't need a saviour, I'm going to live my way, that is satanic. That's what Jesus is saying here. You know, I, I read earlier this week that um, one of the most popular songs to have played at someone's funeral, I don't know if anyone's heard this, is Frank Sinatra's My Way. Anyone heard that at a funeral? Yes. And Frank Sinatra, you know that, that song? Well, it's, it's kind of... <laughs> I'll, I will hand the microphone to you. Um, he wants Rich Cosby to sing this. Okay, no, no. But, uh, you know, the song is, I did it my way, right? From beginning to end, I lived my way. I didn't need a saviour. I didn't need anything else. The record shows, I took the blows. I did it my way. As if that's a good thing. Jesus casts a very different light on, on the proceedings. He, he says, oh, no, you thought you were doing it your way. Really, Satan was having his way. Satan was having his way. You know, if this is you this morning, you're, I just ask you, please consider this message carefully. Consider that I'm not trying to brainwash you. <laughs> I'm not clever enough to do that. Instead, consider the word. Consider how you hear it, even. Look at this Jesus. See who he is. See, and I know there's a danger there. There's a danger because you might hear this word. You might consider it. And you may even end up believing it. Do it anyway. Do it anyway. That's the first soil. Second soil. The second response to the word. Let's read it again. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground. The ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. They receive it with joy. This is very, very different from the first word because they, they hear it and they go, yes, I want it. I want it. And they receive it with such joy. This is the person who comes into Grace City and immediately they just beam. They're just, they're so happy to be here. I mean, look at this place. It's such a cool place. We have the best coffee. We have all of the, look at all those liquor bottles. It's just a, it's just a cool place. There's a dead bird in the corner. Kind of looking over its shoulder in a kind of coy attitude. As if to say, is this a church? <laughs> oh, that's interesting. It's just a cool place. And there's loads of dead roses and there's some doors on the back that don't lead anywhere. Oh, it's just, it's a great, and oh, the people, more than the place, the people, they're so welcoming, they're so smiling, they, they, they give us coffee, there's life groups, amazing food, they just, and you get to know them and they genuinely want to know how you're doing in your life. Oh, the people, Grace City, it's wonderful. And then they hear the word, God has sent his son to die for you. Do you want forgiveness? And they say, yes, I will take it. I will receive it with joy. And yet, they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then, when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. It all turns out just to be some passing excitement, a passing mood, a fad. Jesus says there's no root. There's, there's no root. There's no source of power for, for true life change. It's all superficial. It's all shallow. You know when you, when you pour a beer and you have that huge 
head and, and you're just wait there watching this foam go down. Just imagine it's a beer, you're waiting for the foam to go down and then at the end you just... There's nothing in there. It was all froth. It, all, it was all superficial, it was all shallow and, and what revealed it to be all superficial superficiality was just tribulation and persecution. Christians, you, you need to know that there will be times for you when it will be easier to not be a Christian than it is to be a Christian. It will be easier to not be a Christian. And, and new, new, uh, new believers in the room, maybe you have not had a time like that yet where it's easier to not be a Christian. You need to know this, that Jesus is saying there is going to be a time when this comes. And, and you may say, well, maybe not for me. Maybe I'll be the, well, maybe, maybe that will miss me out. And, and Jesus says, no, Jesus says, you will be hated by all for my name's sake. All kinds of people are going to hate you because, on account of this word. And some of you think, oh, great, Matt, fantastic. This is, this is why I came to church this morning, to hear about tribulation. Five minutes ago, you were talking about funerals, brought the mood down a little bit, and now you're talking about persecution and tribulation. This is not why I came to church this morning. But if it's true, we need to know. We need to know this is coming, if it's true. And Jesus says it, so I'm, I'm going to say it is true. <laughs> That's my, my opinion. Um, you know, this, this parable, we've read it in Mark. It's also, it's also told in, in, in Luke and in Matthew. In Matthew, this period of time is called a time of testing. A time of, of testing, right? Testing what? It's the testing of authenticity, of the, of the realness of your faith. That's what's being tested. And is it a test set by God? Ah, you've got to pass the test now. No, this is a test for you. That you may know that, oh, you know, I, I've seen, some of you here, you, as I'm describing this, you know, oh, yeah, I've known some times. I know, I've known some of those times of testing. It's just been harder to be a Christian than, than to not be a Christian. And if this, you, you can look back and go, oh, I'm not this soil. There, like, there's not shallowness. There's something to this. There's some depths here. You know, this, this phenomenon of people coming in, hearing the message, receiving it with joy, and then after a little while going, nah, nah, it's, it's actually quite personal to me. So I, um, I, I grew up in the church that I grew up in, um, obviously, um, and there were all these, uh, I, I was with some friends, there was a few young people, but then there was this one, you know, over the course of a few weeks, a bunch of new uh, people my age who came in, there were about a dozen people, and they were, you know, I, I, look, I remember there was this moment when, on a Sunday morning, I remember looking across and looking at all these new believers, and they were going for it in worship, just hands up, singing away, so much joy in their face, and I remember thinking to myself, I need to be worshipping with those people. They, they're really going for it over there. I can't remember looking at the people I was with. I remember doing this and going, oh, I think they're asleep. So <laughs> I, need, I need to get over there with those people. And, I, and I, I remember over the course of a few weeks, just got to know some of them. And it was great. We were worshipping God together. And then about two years in, honestly, they just so many of them just went, nah, I'm out of here. This is, things have just got tough. It's suddenly easier to not be a Christian. And they just left. They went, ah, no. What, what went on there? And, and some people left because of what Jesus taught about here, about the rocky ground. But some left because of thorns, which brings us to response to the word number three. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word and it proves unfruitful. You see, again, we have the appearance here of someone who is receiving and accepting. That's the appearance. That's what it looks like on the surface. Oh, yes, I'm taking hold of this. And yet, just like with the birds, just like with the blazing sun, something comes and, and takes away the word and chokes it. 
Jesus says the thorns are the cares of the world, right? These are simply distractions. Oh man, there can be a lot of distractions in life, can't there? You can think of these as just like spinning plates. Oh, you've got to spin in school, and then you're, you're, you're spinning work, and then you're spinning family, and then that relationship, and then they, these friendships, spinning all of them. And oh, we've got debt and bills, and just all these plates spinning. And it's like what the thorns are, the, the, the cares of the world reveal when someone bails on God and says, No, I'm, I'm done here. What they reveal is that God turns out was just another plate. Just another plate to spin with all of them. And when it came time for one of the plates to fall and shatter, well, if it has to be God, I guess that, throw that one out. That's what they reveal. Rather than God being the centre of everything and everything else revolving around it. That's what the thorns reveal. But the thorns aren't just the cares of the world, they're also the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things. What's going on here? It's that the, the things that are seen are starting to replace the things that are unseen. That's what's going on here. You know, money. Money brings security. It brings options. And as a result, money brings an incredibly strong temptation to, 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 to trust in it rather than to trust in God. Jesus says here that some are so deceived by the apparent security that, that they actually just disappear altogether. They just say, I'm done. I'm done with church. I'm done with faith. I'm done with God. I'm going to trust this. That's what the shininess of, of money ends up working in people's hearts. The, the thorns destroy what was growing. You know, honestly, this is, I mean, Rich was just talking about a gift day. You know what? This is a really good reason to have a gift day. To, to punch on the nose this lie that, oh yes, my security starts to... I, I see this in my own heart sometimes. I, I, I look at whatever's in my bank account and either if the number's okay, then I go, hmm, security in that. Or, or sometimes the, the money's not... Oh, that's a small number. And I go, oh, no. And you see what's happening there. My, my security's in the money rather than in, in God. God's got me. And so having a gift day where we just go, you know what, I'm going to give. And it might even be quiet. I can, I can say this because I don't get any of the money. So if we, if we give, and it's actually a really good way to punch on the nose, that lie that, hey, oh, my security comes from the bank account. No, it doesn't. That's really dangerous. Jesus says this is really dangerous to be thinking that way. Because thorns come up, choke the word. You know, those, those friends that I told you about, um, some of them left when things got hard, a bit of persecution, people going, no, you're a Christian. Some people, it was just this. Honestly, like it, was, it, was, it was the cares for, um, it was the desires for other things. You know, it was a relationship. You know, it, what, what happened was, it was either just, oh, do I choose between God and this relationship? Uh, yeah, just push God. And it wasn't even a hard decision when that came. No, I'm just, I'm going to have the relationship instead of God, or, or whatever it was. And I wondered, I don't know, I, I, I imagine as I tell my story of, of seeing that, and my response when I saw that was, uh, there was a lot of me just going, whoa, what was that? How did that happen? They were going for it and then they won. And, and I, I just imagine in the room there's loads of Christians who go, actually, I've seen that a lot myself. And I've wondered a lot. And, you know, I wondered even, well, what's happened here? Has the person, were they, were, were they saved and received from God? And then did they step out of God's grace and become unsaved? And I think there were two, two uh, passages in the Bible that really helped me when I, I read this just in the, in the weeks and months after that happened. And one was the one we've read today, which is Jesus saying, hey, this is going to happen. Expect this to happen around us. But the other one, there's this little verse in, in 1 John. And John, he's writing here about 
and this, of people who come along to church and go, I'm in, I'm in with the faith, I'm in with the mission, let's do this. And then after a while go, ah, no, it's too difficult. And they, they, they leave. And, and John says this, They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they are all are not of us. There's something about real Christianity. There's something about authentic Christianity that perseveres, that lasts, that endures to the end. Even when things get tough, even when there's other cares of the world try and get in, or, or whether there are desires that, no, it's just, I'm going to endure it, I'm going to stick it out to the final moment. Christians who truly have had a work of the Spirit occur within them, persevere to the finish. And that brings us to the good soil. Oh, don't we want to be good soil? Don't, don't we want to be a good soil? Oh, good, there was just nothing there. No, I'm okay with... No, we want to be good soil. The good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. What's the big difference between the good soil and all the other soil? It's fruitfulness. All the other ones have uh, uh, this kind of, well, the, the two in the middle, they have this um, uh, appearance of, yes, I'm going to accept this word, and I'm going to be very joyful, there's a lot. But Jesus is saying, that what is real Christianity, real faithfulness leads to fruitfulness. That's, that's the only mark, in fact, of what proves a disciple to be true Real and authentic. You know, Jesus in, in John 15, he, he says exactly that. By this my Father is glorified. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. This is what God the Father wants. He wants you to bear much fruit and thereby prove that you are his. You know, the, the rocky soil and the, the thorny Soil. They, they all gave the appearance of Christianity, even quite vibrant Christianity, but the word never got deep enough to truly provide life-changing power. You know, the, the roots were the issue. You know, and if you're a new Christian here, you might be hearing me say this and saying, look, there's danger here and there's danger there. And you might be going, well, I don't want to be bad soil. I really don't want to be, I want to be good soil. I've got to be, okay, I've got to be fruitful. I've got to put a lot of effort in. I've got to go and do things and prove that I'm, I'm fruitful. And Jesus would say, no, 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 no. That's not, that's not how fruitfulness comes. Jesus says, I am the true vine. You want to be fruitful? You have to abide in me. You have to stick close to me. You've got to actually be grafted into him and his life-changing power will bring that fruitfulness about. True fruitfulness only comes from being plugged into the cross. You know, I I don't know how how many fruit trees you see that are just there, just trying to be fruitful. Banana. I I haven't seen... it, It seems like for a while sometimes if you plant an apple tree... I don't plant apple trees often, but from what I can work out, it takes a very long time, even. A long time before the fruitfulness comes. Sometimes even months, sometimes years, probably. I know if you'd looked at my life aged eight or nine, and you're nerdy, you're Christian, no fruit there. But sometimes it just takes a long time. Real, authentic Christianity is often hidden for a lot of the time. That's why I love this, this metaphor. Jesus seems to use these agricultural metaphors of like fruitfulness or bearing fruit. It's so helpful because it gives the, 
you know, fruit takes time to grow. But we can look forward to that because we know that that's what God does. You know, what is the fruitfulness spoken of here? You know, in, in short, fruitfulness is being more like Jesus. More loving like Jesus. More patient like Him. Knowing the Father like Jesus. Hating sin like Jesus. Having joy like Jesus. Suffering like Jesus. Persevering to the end like Jesus. What we find is as we stick close to Jesus, as we abide in Him, His Holy Spirit will do a work that's deep, deeper than perhaps even we would like, deeper in ways that might even get uncomfortable at times. By His Spirit we will find, as we endure through harder times, as we say no to even to things that we really, really want, what we find is that we will become more like Him. That's what He's gracious enough to work in our lives. What joy it is to be good soil. Aren't you glad that, that is, this, is what, this is what Jesus comes and says, hey, this is what's on offer. You can have your sin forgiven, but then you get to abide in me. You get to have my life-changing power work deep in ways that you, don't even, you can't even fathom how deep this will go. The, deep of, the, the depths of the joy that I bring, the depths of the peace that I bring, that's what Jesus says. That's why it's so good to be good soil. Shall we stand? I'm just going to pray. Jen and Emily are going to come up and lead us in some more songs. We're going to respond. Father, we thank you so much for Jesus. We thank you that he's done it all. I thank you that the message, the word, the seed this morning is not try harder, do more, come on, jump through these hoops. God, I just thank you that your kingdom doesn't come like that. You don't come saying, you've got to obey me, you've got to uh, believe in me or or else. But instead you come and you speak in parables and you get hold of people's hearts and you draw them close to you. God, I think that's my story, that you got hold of me and you revealed Jesus to me. And then, oh, it's just been a joy to know you. God, God, we're thankful that we get to know you. Thank you that there's so much room in our God, that we can live in you, we can abide in you. Lord, and I thank you that in you is everything we need. In you is the joy we need. In you is the peace we need. Oh, Holy Spirit, be here now as we worship. Be here now. And guys, if there's anyone in the room who is just, who's saying, you know, I, I don't think I've been good soil yet, but I want to be. I really want to, to know this Jesus. I want to abide in him. And I've never, I don't know how, to, how that happens. I'm, I'm not a Christian yet. I'm not a follower of Jesus. If, if that's you, I just want to ask you, if, if, if you want to follow Jesus, I, I'll, I'm going to be around for the rest of the service. I want you to just come and find me. Just come and grab hold of me and say, hey, tell me more about this Jesus, because I'd love to do that. I'd love to pray with you, if that is you. Yeah, I'm going to pass over to Joe and Emma. They're going to lead us in a few more songs.